it's not about being stuck in the past. It's about looking at it and learning from it in order to have a clearer, a healthier future. Hello, I'm Tariq Omeri, and I'm a learning and development scientist. I welcome my weekly podcast series, Mind the Learning Gap in which we will be covering what is trending in the world of learning and talent development, solutions, and challenges for education programs and training delivery, in addition to sharing useful tips of good practices in this field. If you are working in learning and development, training, instructional design, or professional development, or are thinking of starting in the field, then this webcast series would be for you. So let's start. Today, we have a special guest with us. She is an expert and a coach in behavioral change as it relates to personal growth and development. Her message is that people are able to change at any time, any age, regardless of circumstances. This is one that is strangely very timely and relevant in this new digital age that requires us to adapt or get left behind. I am so glad to welcome Raya Liverpool, the behavior change coach. Ravia, thank you very much for being with us here today. Thank you for having me, Tariq. Ravia, as we start this episode, maybe you can tell us a bit about yourself and how you found your passion for being behavioral change coach. Okay, so as you said, Tariq, my name is Ravia Liverpool, and I am uh, British. Uh, however, originally, I, uh, I'm Ghanaian and Lebanese. My mom's from Ghana, my father's from Lebanon. I've been living in The Hague, the Netherlands, for the past 21 years. And as you said, I'm a behavioral change coach. I offer um, individual consultations uh, to um, clients at my uh, coaching practice, Recipes for Change. And no, I haven't uh, been always a coach. Um, I used to work as a pharmacist for many years. I worked um, abroad and here in the Netherlands. Um, And my, um, you know, becoming a coach was really a gradual and unintentional uh, journey for me. Um, uh, I experienced personal uh, uh, emotional uh, difficulties um, in my life and I sought the help of practitioners um, and I saw the change I experienced from these sessions with practitioners and I got so curious about uh, these models that they were using. So I uh, decided to take the training in uh, in NLP and uh, later also transactional analysis Um, and accidentally you know, people started asking me to help them with issues uh, that they were struggling with in their life. And uh, so I did help them. And then I noticed that I actually enjoy uh, this work. So in 2012, I decided to um, stop uh, working as a pharmacist and changed into working as a coach and set up my practice, uh, Recipes for Change. Thank you. That's very interesting. So switching from a career in pharmacy into coaching and behavioral change. it rings a bell for me because, um, and I think a lot of learning and development experts would agree, is something they find themselves in it. But what about those who are, you know, more lucky than us from the start that they know what they want to do in the future? Do you have any advice you can give to our listeners who are looking to pursue a career such as yours? I mean, like I said, for me, it was not intentional. And um I mean, if, it might seem like pharmacy and coaching are far removed, but actually as a pharmacist, I, I also had the skill of coaching uh, clients on the use of the medicines or on side effects, coaching doctors about how to use medicines. 
So there was that skill already in me. Uh, and often we don't notice that we have skills that can be transferred from one you know, line of work into another. So people who are looking to change, uh, I would say, um, you know, go for it if it's your passion. Um, just if it's coaching specifically, at the moment, many people are sort of uh, going into the sector. It's very popular sector, so it could be competitive. I would advise them to look for something unique that they offer. And we all have something unique. It could be to do with the background, uh, you know, of study or work or indeed the life experience that we have. And also to be patient and to persevere because sometimes it takes really some time to become visible and to sort of build a reputation. Uh, and that's where having the passion can really be helpful. If you're passionate about what you do, you stay with it and you stick with it. I see. Now, very uh, sound points about having patience and perseverance and also what makes you stand out and be having something unique. That's very insightful. Thank you. Can you tell us a bit about people who inspired or influenced you because we're all shaped by our experiences and who pass over in our lives. Yeah. Well, Tariq, people who inspire me are ordinary people who do extraordinary things. Um, I, if I think of my life, I think the first person that inspired me was my paternal grandmother. She took care of me from the age of five. Uh, she was a really loving and wise woman. And she's the one who really taught me that if you can't change a situation, then change your attitude and your perception of the situation. Uh, another person who inspires me is my dad. Due to family circumstances, my dad was not able to finish his school education. And he taught himself English through reading newspapers and then learned about the history of the world through reading books. Uh, when I think of his life, he really taught me that the real school is school of life. Another person who inspires me at the moment is my partner. He really has a positive outlook on life and is really able to live in the moment. So sometimes when I'm you know, going into the past and running into the future, I'm really reminded to come back to today. I can only control and influence today. My daughters are the source of inspiration as I see them you know, navigating the challenges of life on a regular basis. I get inspired by reading books and biographies, you know, people like uh, Tony Robbins, Brene Brown, Martin Luther King, Maya Angelou. Barack and Michelle Obama. I mean, I can go on. There's so many people out there that really inspire me by, by what, you, what they do, you know? Speaking of, because you mentioned a lot of people in your life that supported and influenced you. And we all have stories of defining moments in our life and career that shapes us. Can you share with us a story of a defining moment that made you be in the field you are in now? Yeah. Um, you know, my childhood and teenage years were difficult. Um, I struggled with issues of self-esteem and self-worth. And the main reason was that I, growing up, I really was, um, I faced discrimination and racism, you know, in Lebanon. Uh, and I struggled with, uh, you know, um, a sense of identity and belonging. And, uh, you know, you sort of make the most of it and go on in life. And I remember in my 30s, I really um, had a crisis. Uh, and I, which really plunged me into a, a deep depression. And I went, uh, I had kids at the moment and I really wanted to be available to my children, you know, in a way that my parents were not available to me. So I went to my GP and asked for help. And, you know, he eventually referred me to people. And that's when I came across an NLP master trainer and had sessions with him to, to help me and get myself out of that situation. And I realized, you know, after a few sessions with this uh, wonderful man, I really changed. You know, I, my self-esteem started to grow. My confidence grew. 
I became happier. My thinking and perception of everything uh, in my life changed. And I was so curious about this field. And I thought, wow, why didn't somebody tell me about this when I was 20, you know? So I, you know, um, decided to learn it. You know, when I came to Holland, I, I enrolled on a training uh, scheme. I learned about neuro-linguistic programming and then also transactional analysis, which is also a model that explains personality and communication. Um, and the more I learned, the more I developed and I changed, you know. And as I said, when people notice that change, they ask me to support them. So for me, really, the defining moment is that moment when I dared to ask for help, got the help I needed, and it changed me and opened up really a new field for me about human behavior. And I've been learning more and more about that ever since. I mean, I find it really a fascinating field and exciting. And I don't think it'll ever stop. There's always something new to learn. I see. Now, thank you for sharing this, because the story you shared is very unique in a way it led you to the career you're in right now, but most of those who you work with are experiencing a similar dilemma or, let's say, a transformation that you help them to go through. So it's very yeah. interesting. Um, now, we all work in a certain career, and there are a lot of misconceptions about our occupations. Mm-hmm. What is the biggest myth that you always face as a change coach uh, and the people perception of your work or role? Yeah. Well, many people think that when they go to a coach and a consult or a sort of a counselor or a practitioner of any kind, they tend to think that um, this person will just fix the problem, you know. Um, and that's a myth because as a coach and counselor, I cannot fix anybody's problems, you know. Another thing also that uh, people tend to um, uh, believe about uh, coaches and counselors, um, that I can tell them what to do. You know, they come with an issue and they think, I'm going to tell them, do this or do that. And it's also not the case. As a coach or the counselor, I cannot tell people what to do, you know. My role really is to offer guidance and support and bring to their, to their awareness the patterns of behaviors that actually influence their thinking, their feeling, and what they're doing. Often what really affects our life is these uh, sort of decisions and limiting beliefs that we form as a result of a childhood experience. And these limiting beliefs and decisions are out of awareness, yet they influence our life in the here and now moment. So I feel that you cannot change what you're not aware exists in the first place. So my work with the client is to bring these patterns into awareness in order for them to make decisions about their life in the here and now without basing it on archaic past experiences from the past, you know? I see. Do, do you ever have the experience of clients wanting everything fixed in one session? <laughs> yes, yes. Often I've had people come and they really expected magic. <laughs> you know, like, you know, they come to one session and, you know, it'll be done. All that they expect, you know, like I've had people who was like, I don't want to go into any emotional stuff, any experience from the past, you know, but... But sometimes, you know, it's not about being stuck in the past. It's about looking at it and learning from it in order to have a clearer, a healthier future. You know, I sort of uh, often use the analogy of like when you step into the car and you want to drive forward, you need to check your mirror and look back to make sure there are no obstacles in the way in order to go out smoothly. And in a way, change and transformation is like that. Sometimes we need to look back to learn and understand how we were influenced by these experiences from the past in order to move forward and have a healthy uh, future. I see. It's also very enlightening that, uh, like you mentioned, coaches don't tell people necessarily what they need to do. And that's a misconception that many people have. 
I think it's a very important point. I mean, is that, do you want to expand more on this to our audience? Yeah, like I said, I can't tell people what to do. All I, I know that the clients come to me and often really the answer to the problem is within themselves, you know? Uh, so for me, it's really about guiding the process and sort of supporting the client and figuring out those answers and those decisions that are, you know, within them, whether they are healthy and to do with the moment now. Because like I said, often we have these archaic limiting beliefs and decisions from the past that influence um, our decisions in the moment, you know. Uh, and by working with the client, I can make them aware whether they are really using what's available to them today, here and now, or are they using some past negative experiences to influence their decisions today? So it's just about supporting and guiding them in that process, not telling them what to do, because they know already deep down they have an idea what they want and they just want to explore whether it's the right way forward or not. I see. Now, that's a very fascinating notion that everyone knows deep down what they need to do, but they also need the guidance and support in realizing that. In your work with clients, you also, I remember reading that, that you addressed the issue of the imposter syndrome, where people have low self-esteem or low self-worth. Um, so for our audience who are not familiar with the term, the imposter syndrome is when someone is feeling they're in the wrong place and they don't know much and they were gonna, uh, they will be found out, a big cold yeah. one. They often, imposter syndrome, they often um, sort of question their skills, their talents, uh, their accomplishments, they often feel like they're a fraud, you know, someone's going to spot them and they don't belong among these skilled people. And it could be related to self-esteem and self-worth. It could be something completely different. So sometimes I tend to separate the two, you know. But in general, whatever the issue that the client comes with to me, um, like I said, the really important thing with my work with the client is to bring what is out of awareness into awareness, you know. And once they're aware of these uh, archaic patterns that are affecting their behavior or their feelings about themselves, then things can change. So if I, if I use my, my life story as an example, you know, being a child, being discriminated against, not fitting in, not belonging, uh, really gave, made me make a decision and a belief about myself that, you know, I'm not good enough, you know, I'm not worthy of love. And these influenced my choices in life. If I really go in life believing that I'm not good enough, believing that I'm not worthy of love, you can imagine the choices and decisions I make in the moment. So when I became aware of what's going on inside me and how it's influencing and impacting my behaviors, I suddenly think, of course, I'm good enough. Of course, I'm worthy of love. You know, your whole perception and attitude changes. And because that changes, your behavior and actions are also changing. Um, but like I said, if if we are un unaware of these unconscious patterns, we just go on like on autopilot in a way. And only when we stop and think, okay, this situation is so painful. I don't want to keep going like this. Something needs to change. I need to do something to change. That's when transformation happens. I see. And all of this uh, means that we have to dedicate time for reflection and stopping for a moment. Yeah, absolutely. For reflection, you know, gathering knowledge, going on a course, seeking the support of, uh, you know, a qualified person that you feel comfortable with. You know, I always say there is no shame in asking for help when you need it. You know, rather than suffer alone, there's so many people out there who can support you. It could be a family, a friend, or an expert in the field. Um, just make sure, you know, check that they are qualified, that you get on with them. There's that element of trust and safety. Um, and just, you know, do the work. I see. 
Can we expand on this a bit? Because obviously, and I'm also strongly recommending this, it's always good to work with a coach, and I'm sure you will agree. But for those who don't always have access to that, what approach would you recommend to finding a good help or guidance or a mentor? What should they look for? I mean, especially now at the moment, uh, there's so much on offer that is free of charge online. You know, there are a lot of webinars, uh, you know, uh, Facebook live events. Just see what it is that you need. If your issue is low self-confidence, see what's out there. If it's self-esteem, see what's out there. If it's fear and anxiety, see what's on offer. I think at the moment, that's the, the positive thing I see of the pandemic. Suddenly there's so much on offer and so much accessible from the living room, you know. Uh, so you don't have to pay always for something, you know. There is knowledge out there without having to invest financially if that's, you know, a struggle for some people. Uh, and also there are many coaches uh, and counselors who are offering concessionary sessions. Uh, at the moment, I'm offering, offering also concessionary sessions and use fee sessions, you know, for people who are in a financial uh, situation to support them in, uh, in change because I'm, I'm really... Um, I find it rewarding when I can support someone in their process of change, you know. Of course, we all need money to live. <laughs> but for me, it's a, it's a priority, but not the highest priority. The joy that I get is more from seeing a change in somebody after I work with them. I get more joy than the fee that I receive. My kids always tell me I'm not a good businesswoman because of that. But my passion really lies in, in witnessing that transformation, that positive change in someone. That's very inspiring. And I think that's great that this is being done. And speaking of the pandemic, in your opinion, what has changed after the pandemic in the advice that you would usually give to your clients? Like, Or do the challenges face them pre-COVID-19 remains mm -hmm. the same now? Yeah. Well, well, of course, still in the pandemic, it's going on. What I find with the pandemic is that uh, usually when people have emotional and mental uh, struggles, what they benefit from is having friends and family, you know, and, and the support of people in the community around them. And what's happening now in the, in the pandemic is that many people are finding themselves isolated uh, without the help and, and, and the support of members in the community. And I think that's really a, a big issue with the pandemic. The other thing as well is um, people who normally generally suffer from fear and anxiety you know, watching the news these days, it's really one horror story after another. So I noticed that some clients that I've worked with really are, their fear and anxiety is becoming stronger and more intensified, you know, from following the news. So sometimes I tell them, step away and take a break and just don't watch so much uh, news and horror stories. The other thing um, with the pandemic is um, if you've had a trauma in the past, you know, that is lying dormant, sometimes what's happening in the world can reawaken this trauma. So I hear from many colleagues that like depression is on the rise. Um, so it is, a, it is a difficult time and it's really testing uh, our resilience. Yeah, indeed. And I agree with you that it's always good to step, take a step back from everything that's happening and focusing on ourselves, our yeah. uh, mindfulness, taking a moment for ourselves. Yeah, because there are many things in this um, period now that is not really in our control. So just uh, focusing on what we can control and let go of the rest, you know, can help us with our sanity. I completely agree. And it reminds me to what you shared earlier about to change the situation, change your attitude and perception of the situation. And mm -hmm. that I find this, you know, a very nice quote. Um, Thank you. So, uh, Ravi, as we reach the end of this uh, episode, I wanted to 
check where can our listeners stay in touch with your work, maybe listen or follow you? Well, I have a, a website uh, called Recipes for Change. Um, if you Google it, hopefully it comes up. Uh, I blog regularly and, and I write, you know, source reflections uh, on the website. I also um, have a presence on social media. I have a LinkedIn profile, uh, Instagram and Facebook. Uh, and I often share thoughts and reflections there as well. Oh, that's great to hear. And we'll also, to our listeners, uh, we'll also link Rawia's website. I would like, again, to thank uh, Rawia Liverpool, the Behavior Change Coach, for being with us here today and sharing a bit about how we can pursue change in this ever-shifting world. Thank you very much, Rabia. Thank you, Tarek, for having me. We have now reached the end of this episode of Mind Learning Up podcast. Thank you for listening and being with us. To hear more episodes in the upcoming weeks, please rate and subscribe to this podcast series. This was Tarek, the Learning Scientist. Have a good week and see you in the next episode.